you have to wake up each and every day and think, hey, today is going to be a good day. And a lot of that is going to be predicated upon my attitude. Attitude is going to determine most in part, not only how you deal with others, but also how others deal with you. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before I introduce this week's guests, of course, like I ask you to do every week, leave me a review so you can help other people find the show. So let me go ahead and read this week's Review, good pace and great guests. Five stars. Keep up the good work. You ask great questions and simply let guests tell their story. No segues are a bonus. Ha ha. That's actually an inside joke. If you listen to the other show I'm on, Oil and Gas, this week, I make fun of Mark LaCour and his ridiculous segues. So thank you to R.S. Latimer via Apple Podcasts here in the United States. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, I'm sitting here this afternoon with Jacoby Lewis, Regional Sales Director and North America Partner at ATP Pressure Tech. How's it going, Jacoby? It's been a while. I'm doing well. It has been a while. Good to be on this podcast with you, Paige. I appreciate you having me on today. I know. I was supposed to have you on a while back and then, you know, just life happens. And uh, I'm just glad we could finally do that. Yeah, I thought, you know, I didn't I didn't want to be dumped, you know, so <laughs> I'm glad that we still have the connection and I'm able to come on. So but great to be here with you. Thank you for coming on. So let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Actually, I, you know, really started in the oil and gas industry. I think I was coming out of high school. So I'm originally from the great place of Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> That's my old stomping grounds. Absolutely. So I was born and raised there, kind of a small oil and gas town city, but really known for, uh, I think we were voted several times for being the happiest people in America. And so what? that's yeah. nice to me. <laughs> well, you, you can look it up. I think it was several times, but I think it's really because of the food. Fun and oh, yeah. And yeah. So I uh, was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. And, you know, you, you grow up growing up in an oil and gas town in a city like that. You're exposed to the oil and gas industry. So coming out of high school in 2001, I started and I think it was Night All Tools. That was actually where I got my start. Eddie Knight, the founder of Night All Tools, hired me. And I started off as a as working overnight, kind of a graveyard shift. I like to wear that blue jumper with my last name on the front. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I was a BOP tester. So I tested BOPs, high pressure BOPs. But around that time, you know, 9-11 happened. And that was really, really serious time for the oil and gas industry. The you know economy was hit. And then I got laid off. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was young. It didn't really matter that much. I was real young right. money in college, but I really got my start there. And I stayed there for about a year and then made the transition after being laid off there as a young worker. And I moved into the retail industry. And so there's kind of a segue. I moved into corporate with Gap and then Banana Republic. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so really started off there in operations and then moved into a corporate role in loss prevention. So really helping to protect that bottom line through theft, interrogation, investigations, and, you know, helping us to protect our assets. And then 
from there, Walmart recruited me. And so I ran Walmart logistics divisions for two years. And then uh, I got canned. (laughs) (laughs) I got canned. I was thrown under the bus by a leader. But in part, I was also at fault. I had failed to really you know, follow some of the policies and regulations there. And so they terminated me. And I was in college at the time, actually doing my undergraduate degree in organizational leadership. How about that? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I really had a thing to learn about organizational leadership. And in the midst of that transition, I started to work uh, through with temp agencies and just kind of happened upon a two-week opportunity at American Tube Products to count their inventory. And so it was only supposed to be two weeks. And so I ended up staying for another four to five years, being trained by the president of American Tube Products. By the name That's of so cool. Isn't it amazing? Joe Johnson. And he really gave me an opportunity here at American Tube Products. And From there, I stayed four or five years, and then I moved up into other organizations within the instrumentation valve and fitting world. So uh, that was my start. And then from there, I think, I I mean, I led several organizations, Beta International, FitOut Group, DK Law Corporation, and then American Two Products brought me back now as a director. So, you know, I've ran organizations all the way up to president, vice president, director of business development, sales, marketing. So really my niche is is sales, marketing, and business development. That's really where I cut my teeth. And I've been here ever since. Love it. So what did it take for you to realize this is my niche? Relationships. Okay. Relationships. I think for me, when I was in retail, I was already cutting my teeth in on, you know, selling, right? You know, short-term selling in terms of that being transactional and then kind of moving into more of that marketing that, hey, we're we're moving from transactional to relational and, you know, having a long-term customer base. So that really helped me to see, hey, I'm a relationship-driven person. I love people. And really what, you know, the oil and gas industry helped me to see is, hey, if you understand the products, you know, engineered solutions, there's an opportunity to help the customer on the other end and to build a long-term relationship that can be fostered you know, for a long time. Well, what's some of the challenges you've had to go through to, to make that realization and to get exactly where you, you want to be? Oh, wow. Well, some of the challenges. Well, aside from getting laid off in cans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think I mean, it happens to all of us. It really does. It does. It, it does happen to all of us. And I tell people, there's nothing worse than being canned. I mean, being dog. <laughs> so once you pick yourself up off the floor from that, then the other challenges you find is, is really upward opportunities. But some of the challenges that I've found is really centered within the oil and gas industry, you know, based on what I call uh, needs-based segmentation. And that's really when you're moving into a sales environment, you know, marketing and our business development environment, really uncovering the buying factors, right? And, and factors of maybe accounts in front of you or who you're sitting in front of. Because the one thing we have to admit is when we have customers and clients, they have a culture, they have a mission, they have a vision. And in order for you to really offer a solution to them, that needs to be married and it needs to be reflective of what your core values and your organization is. So some of the challenges you know, that I faced, I find was figuring out who was what I call an, an image buyer or a quality buyer or a price buyer a process partner, convenience buyer, relationship buyer, all of those different factors, figuring out who they were and then building a relationship with them became some of the challenges that I was met with early. But, you know, gave I had the passion to want to figure that out and, you know, build uh, my core competencies around that. Excellent. Excellent. So let's talk about what you're doing currently. 
Oh, wow. Yes. What I'm doing currently, I am, you know, regional sales director and we're also, you know, partner of Pressure Tech North America. And so, you know, American 2 products is really, we're in the business of uh, pro providing, you know, high quality valve and fitting relating products, you know, to the petrochem industry. And that's really specifically around the offshore top sides facilities, you know, subsea production equipment, uh -huh. industrial valve and fitting markets. So we, we cut our teeth in on instrumentation, anything that's, you know, quarter of an inch to two inches in diameter, ranging up to zero to 60,000 PSI in pressure from you know, valves and fittings and regulators. What we're doing here is we're really promoting quality products to our clients and helping them, you know, with regard to maybe challenges and problems that they're finding inside of their markets and, and, and what they're dealing with. So you know, that's really, in, in short, what I'm doing here at American 2 Products. And you have kind of been hit hard. I mean, obviously, our industry never recovered from the last downturn before the pandemic hit. But how's everything going with your company as far as that? You know, for us, it's challenging. It, it is quite challenging, right? I mean, all of us are, you know, trying to stay afloat. You know, many companies have been hit hard. But fortunately for us, we've managed the company well. We've been able to provide great solutions to our customers. And we were able to manage that, you know, inside of this downturn here, added with, you know, the COVID, the COVID epidemic. And so we've really been fortunate. We were, you know, we're able to keep all of our employees. And, you know, when COVID hit, we were really, uh, we still are in growth mode, but it still hit us pretty hard because, you know, for a salesperson, face-to-face -face interaction is everything. Yeah. You have to deal with somewhat of, unfortunately, you know, some depression there. I've, I have, you know, peers in the industry that, you know, they're, they're really, they've really been hit in terms of trying to find the motivation to interface through different technologies, whether that's WebEx, Zoom, you know, other platforms, but that everybody's been hit. And so we're, we're just trying to find the way to continue to offer value and solutions to, you know, our client base. Yeah. And it's, it's that lack of that person to person interactions, the lack of that empathy that you feel in the presence of someone that really takes away from that, huh? Exactly. You know, you think about, you know, you're in a meeting or you've, you've scheduled a, a call with a customer. And the first thing that you're trying to do is to continue to offer the value, right, of your product, maybe the solution that you're giving. And the first thing you, you, you have to be hit with is, hey, are you okay? You know, how are you? doing and you know not only how are you doing how's your family doing how's the company doing and that's one of the things i love about sales is it's not necessarily all transactional it's a relationship there to say hey i'm your friend and i care about you more than just the solution i'm providing to you that's an opportunity but more than that it's an opportunity to be connected in a different way yeah definitely i couldn't agree more so if you had a piece of advice to give our audience what would it be Oh, man, a piece of advice I would be able to give the audience in terms of maybe how to deal with maybe COVID or, you know. Anything really it can come from business. It could be related to a personal thought you have. So or one of the things that, you know, I would give and with to advice and, you know, to anyone would be to really find that you are enough. I think one of the things that, you know, within not only the oil and gas environment, but just within our world is, you know, a lot of doubt in relation to the fact that we can get through this and that, you know, as a salesperson, sometimes we, we're, we're thought as more of uh, sometimes uh, your, your navel gazing philosophers, right? This just this optimism. You have to wake up each and every day and think, hey, 
today is going to be a good day. And a lot of that is going to be predicated upon my attitude. Attitude is going to determine most in part, not only how you deal with others, but also how others deal with you. There is the, you know, the great author in the past, Earl Nightingale, and he has some videos and on YouTube that he talked about attitude. And, you know, it's, it, it's in relation to how you're going to treat this life, maybe problems, and, you know, really having an optimistic demeanor about yourself and how you're going to relate to the issues that you're, pre- you're presented with. I've done over 100 of these episodes, and I think this is probably one of my favorite pieces of advice I've heard yet. You are enough. That What is positive affirmation to yourself. Yeah, you are enough. You are enough. It's challenging, but to we have to remember that in 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 our challenges and you know even in the oil and gas world, this is an opportunity. The lows provide an opportunity for the highs and the highs are appreciated because of the lows. And so it's not necessarily focusing all on the on on the positives and it's not necessarily focusing all on maybe the minuses or the plus and minuses, but it's taking it all in summation and saying, you know what, I'm taking all of it and I will still continue to be positive to produce character in my own life and in the life of my organization and the people around. Me. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Hope that was good. <laughs> Say that again. I said, I hope that was good. I hope that was good. Advice. <laughs> it was. I take each and every day. <laughs> the attitude pill. <laughs> so what book influenced you the most and why? Oh, wow. There are several books that, you know, influence me the most. And so I might, you know, if I can, maybe cite a few of them. Yeah. All of them. But when I was studying my undergrad in organizational leadership, my favorite book of all time is On Becoming a Leader by Warren G. Bennis. Warren G. Bennis of Harvard was, he's known as the, pretty much the pioneer of contemporary leadership studies. And in that book, he talks about, he coins the term that you cannot do unless you first be. Oh, that's good. And, and in first being, what he's meaning there is being yourself. We are taught in our society and even more so of a postmodern culture here, we are really taught from kids to be something other than ourselves. I have three daughters and one of them. Oh, my. I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> Help me. But what I enjoy about my daughters, 10, 6, and 3, is that they enjoy being who they are. That doesn't mean that they stay there, but it means that we can cultivate their character through their personality traits, their behavior, so that in turn, they don't become someone else. They're not someone else. They are who they are, wired, you know, soft skill sets, hard skill sets, the whole nine yards, and we appreciate all of it. So that would that would be my number one book on becoming a leader by Warren G. Bennis. He talks a lot about moving from management to leadership. And one of the things I would say is I think when we study management, we need to be very careful because within organizations, what we find when we say that we manage people, that sometimes that's a misnomer. It's it's incorrect. It's really hard to manage people. People are more cultivated and developed. You manage yeah. You manage systems, you can manage rules, you can manage regulations, but you really can't manage people like we think we can because that's almost related to control. Yes. And so we have to understand that we're not only a part of an organization, we are part of an organism and people, we're organism, living breathing body that is constantly moving and that needs to be understood from moment to moment. Very good. 
That would be my number one book. My second would be Up the Organization, and that's by Robert Townsend. Really love that book. That was written 35 years ago, and I think it's still the number one book that's recommended by Wharton School for Leadership and Change at UPenn. So that one's another one. This other one, you might laugh at me a little bit, but I really love this book. Who Moved My Cheese by Stan- <laughs> <laughs> You were right. <laughs> and I think because of the COVID environment and situation now, what we are finding out is what? Our cheese has been moved. And a lot of times people are struggling in the face of disappointment because their cheese has been moved. Uh, environments have changed. They need to adapt and pivot. And they keep going back to the same thing, not understanding that the world's changed, people's changed, and, and maybe even the And it's the only constant. It's the only constant. So that would be another one. And then lastly, uh, and I'm done here on my book. (laughs) Page is going to be like, oh, man. The last one would be Rebound. That would be The Odyssey of Michael Jordan by Bob. Bob. Oh, very good. I love that one because in the face of dealing with his father's loss, and I think recently a lot of people have been tuning into The Last Dance, so they talked about it in The Last Dance. But in The Odyssey of Michael Jordan, they talked about him finding himself in the face of disappointment and the loss of his father. And the one of the things that, that I've expressed a lot of empathy and prayer over is that people in our oil and gas world, friends, peers, and even competitors, they've lost a lot of family members. And so they're trying to find themselves in the midst of dealing in a, you know, with a, a changing world. So Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I've lost a couple of people this, yeah, sorry, this, this fall. Good. Well, I mean, death is a part of life. So, you know, it is what it is, but we'll see them later down the road. Absolutely. So what would you say is your most used business tool? Most used business tool. Just get one. You can say as many as you like. I'm a salesperson. (laughs) I was going to say Salesforce. (laughs) (laughs) That that is one. One of them would be, I carry with, there's the new high performance planner that came out. You can, you can pretty much get it anywhere, but it's a high performance planner and, you know, it allows for you to gauge your current activities and, you know, your goals, but also even, you know, failures. I mean, failure is a natural part of life that helps with improvement. And so it helps you to deal with that on a day to day. And so, I write everything that I do down so that I can look back in reflection of my day and say, mm, that wasn't good. This is- <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good business tool. And then the other business tool that I use really well is really my network of relationships. I really value the relationships I have. And that's that's encompassed of my peers, my clients and my competitors. They're even my friends. So those two things are, are really really important to me. Oh, good. You just segued me into the next question of who's your most respected competitor? Oh, wow. <laughs> My most respected competitor, I would have to say, let's just say I'll go on the personal trail and then the professional. The personal okay. one would be myself. And so I respect my journey. <laughs> and I accept my journey. And so I really have a lot of respect for how far I've come in the industry, how far I've come in leadership and even my failures. And so I respect who I am. But on the other end, I respect the competitor that I'm unaware of. <laughs> uh, there's one. somewhere a competitor who is you know, looming to do well in sales, business development, and marketing within my industry, and I'm unaware of them. And so I need to make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's. I remember maybe there was an interview with Warren Buffett, and he was talking about at one particular time, who would have known Amazon would be where they are today, right? And no kidding. And competing with this world. He said no one would have been able to calculate that. Well, I think that's in part due to 
being unaware of a competitor. And so, you know, personally, that's what I would say professionally for us at American Two Products and, you know, obviously being partners of Pressure Tech North America, there's a few I would say, I worked for Bader International. They're not around anymore, but Mm -hmm. they were really an engineered solution provider to the oil and gas market, you know, with instrumentation. So they were a good competitor, the Sunbuilts of the world, maybe even the Edge and Murrays in, in ways were good competitors. And then for you know our pressure regulators that we do, manu- you know, that pressure tech manufacturers would be more Tescom Emerson. That would be a respected competitor. And I'm not afraid to mention or mention that because you need to be aware of who you're competing against. And they're not necessarily always your enemy. They help you, right? Competition not only keeps you honest, <laughs> it keeps right. you but it helps you to continue to grow and motivates you to get out of that door at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, it's called healthy competition. Absolutely. Healthy competition. Very good. What is your most important lesson learned, Jacoby? Well, I've learned a few lessons in my life. One of the ones that I would say is high on my bar is humility. If you're canned and you know terminated, you get humble real quick. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, you kind of have no, you have no choice but to swallow your pride and move along or... You have an opportunity to hit reset. And I coined a term by C.S. Lewis, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So Very I don't good. think less of me. I just think of myself less because I'm interested in how I can serve other people at my job at American Two Products and the services that we provide, the solutions that we give. That's what I'm interested in. Very good. So why is your role now important to the future of oil and gas? My role is important, right? I think uh, every organization, but I think in particular to, you know, sales, in particular to oil and gas, sales and marketing is key, right? I mean, you know, sales being centered around, you know, presenting transactions, whereas marketing is being centered around the future, right? And really promoting, you know, brand value. And so the products that we provide, the valves, the fittings, the regulators, we really deal in more of the materials world where we're offering special materials, right? The stainless steels, the super duplexes that really handle media, right? And flow high temperature. And so, you know, in order for us to improve in our industry, our role in the industry is important and instrumentation is important in order to not only provide operational safety and health, but to really help meet the challenges in the environment. I mean, you're talking about a lot of things that are, you know, sometimes dangerous and, you know, we're trying to handle and help with those challenges. Well, especially, I mean, it takes a millisecond for someone to die in this industry. And, and, and that's something I definitely understand is important. Yeah. And, you know, I would say this, I think sometimes, you know, within our industry, we get a bad rap for a number of things, but our industry, I mean, is the engine of the world and the things that we provide, the polymers, right? I mean, cosmetics, (laughs) you know, the things that we provide are essential to the quality of life. And so, you know, we take you know, the negatives, but we also have a number of positives that our industry provides. And I love being a part of that. And yeah, we bring a lot of prosperity. We bring a lot of prosperity. And so, you know, when you're as big as we are, (laughs) and what I'm meaning by that is the global oil and gas market, you get hit a lot. We, We take a lot of hits. And at the same time, you're trying to take the high road by not only, you know, meeting the challenges and and maybe even the criticism sometimes, but we take all of it in order to provide quality of life for each and every person in the world. So what's your favorite podcast? 
Ah, you thought you was going to get me. My favorite podcast, actually, I've been following your podcast, All in Gas Industry Leaders, for some time. One of the things that I was excited about when we met during my presidential appointment at DKLock was the fact that it was All in Gas Industry Leaders. And I am really concerned and motivated about leadership. That was one thing for me that inspired me to pursue my academic studies. But not only that, personally in my life. And so I really love your podcast. I'm not saying that just because I'm blushing though. You got me blushing. I really do. And I've learned from, you know, I think I told you, I mean, I've learned from a number of podcasts that, you know, and and people that you've had on, I think maybe even recently, you know, John Gibson, chairman and CEO of Flow Tech Industries. I really enjoyed that podcast. So I'm an avid follower and, you know, week to week, I'm tuning into Paige Wilson to see who's on. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. There's some others that I do also listen to. I listen to CEO Blind Spots with Birgit Camps talking really about the the C-suite and maybe the blind spots that, you know, leaders experience. And then there's another one that I follow, Lead to Greatness podcast with Cedric Francis. But those three is what I follow, all in gas industry leaders, you know, CEO Blind Spots and Lead to Greatness. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm I'm a stalker. So you have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no wonder we clicked. So am I. <laughs> we so call the cops. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again for joining me, Jacoby. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Pressure Tech or ATP, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so they can reach me here, jacoby.lewis at atptx.com. You, you can also go to our website at atptx.com. You can also channel You're us. You're on LinkedIn, right? Yes, I am on LinkedIn. So I'm on there. I'm a little bit behind. Sometimes I get behind on it because there's so much content. Uh, LinkedIn has really advanced. <laughs> in many <laughs> Since ways. Microsoft bought it, yeah. Right. So, you know, ever since, I mean, I think, right, maybe over the course of the last year. I mean, there's so much more content. And so I'm struggling to keep up with it, but I am on it. It is a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So you can also even visit us via Pressure Tech. Pressure Tech, I think it's pressure-tech.com or you can visit us at pressure-tech at atptx.com. Okay. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's events on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for December 2020. This month we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two OGGN live streams, and on the third, we have Moving Up in a Downturn, And on the 8th, we have quality management in a down economy. The only in-person event we have this month is the API and SPE Houston Chapter Luncheon about the rebuilding of the American oil field, which will be at the Petroleum Club on the 8th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for December, and I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. 